0: Welcome to Supergirl's Attic Live. I'm Cycles. And I'm Vivi. And we have a lot in store for you guys in this, our first ever Live Attic episode to say goodbye to Supergirl, including a look back at the core space fam journey and an interactive game of meta Jeopardy for the Supergirl characters and Mm. also some other surprises. Yes, it's going to be fun. Yes. Throughout the episode, we'll obviously keep an eye on what you guys are saying in the chat. The visuals are so good. Hello. Thank you, lad. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll also leave a bit of time at the end for answering specific questions in depth. But first, we thought this would be a fitting time to look back at the podcast journey and to answer some of the production questions that you guys have asked over the years.
1: Yes. So we're going to reveal some podcast maker secrets right now <laughs> get excited this came up we were talking with a friend who has also worked in tv and she suggested talking about our production process because it's actually not terribly different from any other media production schedule and process mm-hmm. so like we always start out with a pitching and outlining phase the way the supergirl the tv show does yeah <laughs> this part usually takes the longest believe <laughs> it or not because we always agree
0: we about always everything agree.
1: <laughs> yep. it's really dependent upon what happens in supergirl from week to week so if there isn't something that immediately grabs our attention then we kind of workshop from a list of smaller things that we thought were fun or interesting until we create a bigger theme and a concept that we both like yeah And we start as soon as we have both watched the episode. This got really tricky in season six because of the move from Sunday to Tuesday. And then also it just got unpredictable to guess what time of day an episode would go Mm -hmm. live to stream, which made it a shorter turnaround. We were down to like, I think, a four day turnaround by the end. Yeah. So which was
0: (laughs) fast. Necessity breeds. Ingenuity, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
1: once we kind of go through pitching and then we make an outline of just the general ideas, each of us has a note writing process and then we combine our notes and record everything. Mm-hmm. And we have learned over time to keep things relatively scripted because then we'd make sure we don't forget anything and it also keeps the recording time from going <laughs> way too long. So, yes, cycles. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Once we get that done, there's an editing process, the same as there is for visual media. Fun fact, we actually cut between 25 and 50 percent of every recording. Mm -hmm. So if you hear, you know, actors talking about scenes getting cut, lines getting cut, kind of like in the finale where the American version was several minutes shorter than the Canadian version because of ad process. Yeah, we actually Um,
0: released a Canadian version of the podcast. (laughs) Yes, this is the Canadian version.
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But, you know, it's kind of the same deal. There's a lot of reasons why stuff gets cut. So for example, for our show, sometimes things just don't work and we have to remove them. So if there's a line that's redundant Mm -hmm. or it distracts from the main idea like we might go off on a little tangent about a character and then be like this is off theme Mm -hmm. we'll have to save it for later (laughs) yeah the other reason we sometimes have to remove things is that they involve someone else's copyrighted or trademarked material so uh singing
0: constant (laughs) singing Mm -hmm.
1: a constant issue and then jokes that maybe come from someone else's piece of media that are not being used in a fair use kind of way The other big thing is sometimes we just have to re-say things or we switch up the order of content because it flows better one way versus another. And if we left those notes to self in there, you'd all be very confused. <laughs> yes.
0: So it's very much like in that way, the television production process, minus all the everything else about it. Uh, <laughs> we also do sound design stuff. Yeah. Lots of that. <laughs> yeah. Volume leveling. Like if I get very quiet because I like to speak quietly, <laughs> yeah. we'll go in post and edit the volume level. We'll also reduce sibilance or like harsh like sounds mm, reduce background that's noise me.
1: that's usually me <laughs> maybe so maybe yeah and also taking out really long pauses and sometimes we also have to remove sounds that we can't control in terms of background noise <laughs> when we first got started there was the birds the your birds. companions i
0: miss the birds <laughs> i think about them um, every day
1: My previous place that I lived, we had some issues with the furnace. I had to throw the kill switch to the whole building in order to make it quiet enough to record. She froze the people for you guys. (laughs) I did. I would disconnect the heat for hours. It was probably not a legal thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. There's there's also uh, the airplanes. The airplanes were the bane of our existence for the whole first Season, I think. Yeah, um, it's a bird. I lived it's a about a mile up river from an airport, and we had to record between midnight and five a.m. because that was the only time there were not airplanes flying.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And we there's we some also... sounds
0: we can't escape, like yes, like the boom
1: arm. So that's the thing that holds your microphone and keeps it relatively stable. I used to have one that had springs, so in early seasons, it was mine that was making noise, and now Cycles has one. That's my turn. (laughs) It's equality. And then the other thing we edit around a lot is illnesses and allergies (laughs) and uh, sneaky snacking for the times when the recording sessions used to go really long. Yes. (laughs) We need a Supergirl interruption.
0: Yes. (laughs) That actually would be much more fun. (laughs) Well, speaking of fun interruptions, here we go. Ready? Yes. Welcome to Supergirl's attic. We're tired. <laughs> well, welcome to Supergirl's attic. This is Supergirl's attic after dark. Sisters, if you can hear this, watch out for the phantoms. Behind you! <laughs> Behind you! Yeah. <laughs> <Just> suddenly, like. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're in a great frame of mind tonight
0: It's good This Tuesday Tuesday
1: night thing is not working for us (sighs) Hello and welcome to Supergirl's Attic Now coming to you with authentic live spiders And the world is ready for Cara Danvers Who like Rachel Berry is a star
0: It's fine She is I believe in her We believe in her (laughs) <laughs> what
1: the <laughs> f- There's a trend to revive from 2009, begle- making every word in Glee. I have to
0: believe in begle- her. Begle- That's
1: <laughs> awful. That's really terrible. terrible. Thank
0: you. Uh, Directly referring to the cycle of life, as in routines and patterns here.
1: of life. <laughs> I did not write down what next week's episode is, so you're on your own.
0: (laughs) (laughs) On my own. (laughs) Pretending babies beside me. Futon critic truth or consequences. Here you go. (laughs) And you can tie in the last episode for me. I will. Okay. (coughs) (laughs) Okay. You can't you you can't rush. You can't rush, genius. (laughs)
1: i'm busy trying not to choke on air over
0: here um, consequences
1: <laughs> it's all Kara's
0: fault uh, she she used her 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 super breath and now i can't breathe yeah. And then we have this season, they announced power, and it was quite clear in the text. What? (laughs) What, power? You don't say. (laughs) 80 Um, times. (laughs) (laughs) Me like mentally editing already. Um, Cut, cut, cut. Snip. Um, (laughs) No, let me live. Let me have it. Meanwhile, my answer is it's actually called Earth (laughs) in that universe. What? And then we have James and Kelly, who are connected to both the Looper, the Loopers. The Loopers.
1: <laughs> Danvers sisters, as a contrast to the Lunar, the Lunars. <laughs> what? what? did I say? Loopers and he <laughs> <you> said Lunars?
0: <laughs> oh We're so good. This episode's a mess. <laughs> but, so Bob Woodward, who worked on that, um, worked on that, sorry, It's just so, like, casual
1: who worked on that thing bob woodward incredibly <laughs> famous reporter yeah it's like you be, you're like nia being like who's lois Lane? Like, yeah.
0: Kara thought that she was mad about like lucy and james getting to like like them being mm. together because yeah. she wanted to be with them but the like anger behind the Wait, anger she wanted to be with him pretty oh. <laughs> and slip such as, like when Alex says the little speech in the pilot episode through Kara uh, through the door through the door through <laughs> the through door through the door. <laughs> <laughs> She's trying to tell the door some very important stuff. Kara, Kara, please get out of the way. <laughs> trying to talk to the door. Alex does like kick it down at some point That's so. true. <laughs> she
1: in that door. She's trying to have repair a, have a relationship of some kind.
0: <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, every time I. That's my fault. It's just, it's not in my it's nature to hear 100% here. my fault. I just did it. <laughs> oh no, alright, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't even see each other to make each other laugh. Like, just imagine. This is just, this is just, yep. Our spirit. you soon, thanks for listening. 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 And we're back. That was a little bit of insight into, you know, Supergirl's attic. So now let's turn to Supergirl herself, starting with, obviously, the core space fam and the growth and messaging of their characters throughout this whole series. <laughs> as it yeah. is complete now, yeah. <laughs> And as you might guess, we're going to lead in with uh, the hero of our hearts, Kara. She, yes. For Kara, the first jumping off point for the premise of Supergirl as a character, not just this version of her, but generally, the thing that makes her origin distinct isn't just the sheer size of the loss that she felt, it's that she remembers. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the production team for Supergirl talked about that. (laughs) Like, oh, she remembers Krypton. She didn't just lose her planet and her culture and her whole family as like a concept. She misses them because she knows them. And we see how Kara, in that way, as a character, very much yearns. (laughs) And what I find interesting is that when the Supergirl TV show writers looked at this quality of yearning in Kara, they saw along with the sorrow inherent in it the hope and mm-hmm. they ended up making i think the ultimate argument against cynicism by asking what if this character who was enveloped in darkness like literally stuck and aware mm-hmm. in the phantom zone for years and years emerged hungry for the sunlight if you'll mind <laughs> the pun she's full of puns <laughs> and Kara is constantly trying to reach that light." And it's what makes her want to save everyone, like everyone, everyone, and to (laughs) want to push harder, not to compromise her values. And it's what makes her want to find another way. And it's that part of her that also misses home so much that she would get lost in fantasies when she first landed on Earth. But that very quality was then also the part that wanted to learn all about this new planet, that yearning, and and chose to create a new extended family. Mm. And that yearning, that sorrow and fear, as well as like... Like that seed of hope for something joyful was there when Kara saved Alex in the pilot. And it's all very inspiring, but it is also very human. There's a, a humanity to it. And that's the part mm-hmm. of Kara that we connect to and the part of her that we find representative. And in that like pain of yearning in loss or, or in like mental health struggles, broken families, or in the victory of it in female empowerment and the sort of warring sorrow and then hope for say, refugees. And mm. Kara is a powerful vessel for an argument against cynicism and giving into it because she experiences the extremes of that duality that we are all familiar with within yearning. Great loss and then great joy. And then she chooses to hope yeah and like
1: you said the reason that it works even though as we were going through the notes we're like oh this sounds a little cheesy uh,
0: <laughs> maybe you
1: were yes which is why when we get to <laughs> Alex you'll make fun of me some more uh, <laughs> but the reason it works is because it hits on one of those universal truths and Kara mm-hmm. despite being a super powered alien she feels these very human very normal things mm-hmm. you know that normal sense that she craves that she can share with everyone else and that's why we like it as an audience. (laughs) So then the times when the series has maybe fallen flat with Kara are when it fails to honor that duality of her being aware of the great loss and the joy Mm -hmm. and makes hope either too easy for Kara to feel or so difficult that they put it unrealistically out of reach. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, things that are too easy were Kara kind of having her parents just Handed back to her, mm-hmm. Kara becoming a reporter right away and getting success with it very quickly and sometimes a little bit off screened. Kara not really showing any direct personal hurt because of the xenophobia that is rampant in season four. And then xenophobia is cured in season six. Mm-hmm. And Kara can reveal herself as an alien and a supergirl now because everything's
0: fine. Uh, <laughs> the, the complications in that were not honored
1: yeah and then the ones that are you know maybe putting it too far out of reach in a way that doesn't seem to work are for example in crisis the idea of the paragon of hope has lost her hope and we're like okay <laughs> <laughs> if you say so i guess uh, <laughs> it's word but blank. then yeah the bigger one then is you know Kara and this failure of compassion throughout the second and third acts of season six that seemed like it didn't quite fit with the character as we've known her for the whole series yeah
0: And then contrastingly, the most powerful moments in the show are when they do get the balance there really right. But then what makes it powerful is the way that they sort of push our expectations in an inspiring direction.
1: Yeah. And my favorite, and I think it's a lot of people's favorite, is that very early one in Human for a Day where they make the point that those qualities are an intrinsic part of Kara, powers or not. And you see it in that scene where she talks down the gunman at the end before her powers have come back. The other piece similar to that, which is an example of Kara's admirable qualities that have nothing to do with the powers, are her decision to forgive Alex in season one after she finds out how Astra really died.
0: Mm -hmm, Yeah. And a compelling part of it is just the way that we as viewers did not necessarily expect her to. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And we also didn't expect them to resolve that storyline as quickly as they did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And, And it pushed it a little bit in an inspiring direction. And that's sort of where the magic happens for the show. And like how we see Kara save the world with a hope speech, which is a, you know, intrinsically cheesy concept, but they make it work. (laughs) Speaking of that quality, we have when... Making it work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Alex saving Kara's life by yelling, take the grass. (laughs) We believe these moments... Even if we were surprised by them, or in the case with Alex saying, take the grass, maybe we're laughing a little bit at them. (laughs) Which we needed, because otherwise we were crying. Yes, exactly. But that's the point. Like, they also honor the really difficult and painful parts of it. And Mm -hmm. all of Carr's really difficult and painful experiences throughout the course of the show allow her the authority to give hope speeches and to convince more cynical characters like Alex or Jean or Kat or, you know, the villain of the week <laughs> to trust a little bit, to forgive, to let a little, you know, sunlight in. And <laughs> and I think when the show got it right, it had the power to convince the viewers to do the same. Yeah. And then
1: Superlad said they agree. Some of the earlier seasons, the optimism and hopefulness felt more grounded and balanced with the loss and the challenges versus later on, it seemed like the story found it hard to strike a balance between the idealism and the reality and I mean, I think that might also just be a little bit reflective of people's mindsets in the way reality changed between season one and season six.
0: Yeah, I think especially in season six.
1: Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. people were just generally feeling, you know, a little bit shut in, mm-hmm.
0: a little bit generally hopeless and
1: perhaps cynical.
0: Yeah. But even in season four, you know, we had the take the grass thing, which was a hint mm-hmm. of that emotional depth in sadness that the show can get to. And then also yeah. just the the heights of like this magical fairy Fairytale esque thing happened. Yes. And in terms of the show convincing characters or viewers to let a little light in, they didn't do it with just Kara narratively, because, you know, in this story about hope and cynicism, each of the core characters, Kara, Alex, and Jean, experience friction around yearning and surviving and in unique, mm-hmm. but also complementary ways. And for better or for worse, <laughs> for Kara, she's sort of best friends with her yearning. She's quite familiar with yes. it. Yes. And she uses it in positive ways and then can get trapped in it as well. But then for Alex, her own yearning is like public enemy number one. <laughs> Which
1: is such a way to put it for Miss Law Enforcement character. <laughs> exactly. Uh. <laughs> If she could turn it into a target that she could attack and destroy, she probably would. (laughs) would. As we all know, Alex Danvers is Supergirl's very human sister who often feels the weight. Of that, <laughs> ever since the pilot, you know, we've seen her be the more pragmatic character of the two of them. She's physically vulnerable in ways Car is not, but can be emotionally very tough. And through her character, we see the show deconstruct the idea that cynicism protects a person and kind of guards you against bad things. They specifically voiced this in season three during the World Killer storyline, in reference to Alex's human vulnerability where she says, cynicism, that's what's keeping the rest of us alive. And Kara says, well, it seems like it's killing you. Mm -hmm. Ouch. Ouch. Harsh, (laughs) but true.
0: Harsh, but true. Uh, And that is a theme with Alex's character. (laughs) And that is a theme. (laughs) (laughs) A recurrent pattern. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Alex's struggle is around accepting the parts of her that have that yearning and those pieces that are unhappy or that want more from life in a more positive way, because she thinks that she's supposed to suppress them like in order to protect her loved ones and to protect herself, especially from rejection or feeling like she is a disappointment to people. But as negative as those feelings can be for Alex, and as much as the show is like an argument against cynicism, it demonstrates how there is truth and, and value to those feelings. Like when we see Alex give her little speech through the door in the pilot episode, you feeling like less made me feel like more, which is something that, you know, while Mm. she may have been passive aggressive or aggressive aggressive throughout their childhood, wasn't necessarily addressing that in a fully emotionally open way. And she says to Eliza in Live Wire, the Thanksgiving episode in season one, why wasn't it ever enough, which Mm. was important for her as a character. That moment when she tells Carr that she killed Astra, and and risked no longer being Kara's hero was... Or her sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. Was important for the character. And the way that Alex brought up the sacrifices that she's made with Kara. Especially like in season two when she brings up how Clark has abandoned Kara. One of our favorite little... Mean Alex moments, yeah. (laughs) Yes. But a vital part of all these moments is that Alex is also missing the full picture. Alex was always Eliza's supergirl, (laughs) which is something Mm. that she was not emotionally aware of. Kara forgave Alex immediately for killing Astra, and Alex wasn't really in danger of being replaced by Clark in season two. And this is also why a couple Alex storylines haven't landed, like in season two, when she implied that Carr's position within the family was conditional in that storyline with Jeremiah. And then there was no explicit repair Mm. about it. And then in this past season, when Alex pushed Carr away for suggesting the glasses with Esme... In these cases, there were definite parts of that where Alex was in the wrong. And that's a good thing for her Mm -hmm. character because it means like Kara does care about her. (laughs) You don't say. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then also that like even if Alex isn't right, that things will be okay, because we know that Alex has these issues around perfectionism.
1: Yeah. Like that's one of the big things for her
0: character is embracing that it's okay when
1: things aren't okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
0: and you know the most powerful and hopeful moments for alex as a character are around vulnerability because the very part of alex that tells her that she's hurting or unhappy or you know repressed is also the part that wonders if maybe she can have all of the things <laughs> Yep. Which Kara says to her at the end of season three. Yeah. And that's present in her coming out to Kara and Eliza. That's present in her speech to the Alora hologram. Tell me how to help my little <laughs> sister. The, Please don't leave me when she is trying to get Kara to take the grass. And those are big sort of embarrassing, <laughs> like, emotional things for Alex, who doesn't like crying in public. Yeah. Yeah. And she's giving into it, you know, because something is missing and she needs help, which is a lot of growth. And then we see how the sunlight is like, sure, we'll help out. (laughs) Yeah, Mother Earth is like, yeah, sure. Sure. We relate. (laughs) I'll help you. Yeah. (laughs) And now for Jean, the character who most struggles with fear as an obstacle to and an element within his yearning, <laughs> Jean's family and just about his entire race were burned by the White Martians in a genocide. And so he, like his comic book counterparts, develops a phobia of fire as well as other deep fears around that trauma. Yeah. And
1: like Alex, with Jean, we see the way cynicism can harm a person instead of protecting them in how his fears affect every aspect of his life. Like you think about how long it took him to even have a place to live that wasn't the D.E.O. (laughs) He fears other people. He stays alone for years after he leaves Mars and doesn't make connections because humans have hunted him. And been generally aggressive. Mm -hmm. He fears losing more and protecting and conserving what he already has. So if you think like in the Black Mercy episode where Alex yells at him and says, you pulled me out because she was so close to getting through to Kara. Mm -hmm. Jean's fear of losing both of his daughter figures jeopardizes Kara's safety because he's so worried about Alex that he almost potentially loses Kara. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, he fears himself Jean, we learn throughout the series, has always considered his escape from Mars cowardice. He ran away mm-hmm. and he carries a very deep shame of survivor's guilt around that decision with him
0: at all times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Lad said that he was just we had gotten a Jean's origin story episode, sort of like what happened when he landed on Earth up until when he meets Jeremiah. Right. I actually would have really enjoyed that as a way of explaining why his
1: spaceship car has like a 1960s. Yeah,
0: that would have been fun. Yes. Yeah. Layla just yelled space dad, which I also concur.
1: (laughs) Which is also true and something in our hearts at all times.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yes. But for Jean, the most powerful moments for his character and the ones where he has improved his life the most around are Mm -hmm. not just the times he's fought past those fears like of the external world, but that specific embracing of who he is. Yeah. And actually, the first
1: one that we have on our list was one scene that David still talks about as being one of his all-time favorite scenes that they filmed, which is when Jean reveals who he is to Alex early on in season one. Mm -hmm. And then he makes the decision to reveal that he is an alien to the world, essentially, in order to protect Alex and Kara during the Red Kryptonite episode. Mm -hmm. Then we have that wonderful I am the Martian Manhunter declaration he makes to the ghost of his father when he's trying to figure himself out in season four after Marin's death
0: yeah yeah ah. and it culminates in season six actually when he faces the source of his shame and his deepest fears the moment his daughters were killed and in the courage mm-hmm. gauntlet he fights with absolutely everything that he has and then he still loses them and you know as horrible as that discovery is it's a kind of strange source of hope because at the center of Jean's fears is the belief that he is at fault for the terrible things that have happened in his life and to the people that he loves, and that he is the monster and he is the thing to be feared. Mm-hmm. But if he's not, then he has the ability to fight and to protect those that he cares about and to trust enough to form those relationships and just generally to sit comfortably with who he is. And so that was Jean, Kara, and Alex. Yeah. <laughs> and they, as a unit, are interesting and one of the most compelling parts of the series in the way that they look at each other to address the question, like, is who I am okay? Is my identity like worth existing? <laughs> and, yeah. Like, apart from hope and cynicism and, and success and failure and that perfectionism, just do you love me and do I have a home with you? And we see it in interesting ways in each of them with Kara And, you know, (laughs) her fear with Alex, like deep down, you hate me. And that Mm, fear is present in all of their storylines, like the way that Alex resented Kara early on. One of the students at their school said, "I'd hate my parents if they did that to me." Totally. Who wants a stranger living in their room? <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> the baby's on the side of the children.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the I'm on the anti adoption side. What? <laughs>
0: Famously. <laughs> yeah, that's so me. Yeah, and so you. And Kara hears this and then maybe she's wondering, like, is Alex's anger at her parents because of Kara?
1: Yeah, which was a really nice connection because when we get to the Red Kryptonite episode and Kara says that you hate me, she then follows up and says, and that's why you killed my aunt which yeah i mean obviously isn't why alex did that but
0: <laughs> yeah the fact that there is this piece of her that wonders that that wonders is interesting yeah and then we also have the you're either a part of this family or you're not <laughs> from season 2 yes and then in the arc of season 4 where they go through
1: alex's memory erasure we have this switch where for her supergirl becomes an adversary and a person she kind of resents and doesn't mm-hmm. like and we also get this reveal that Kara herself is sometimes an obstacle to Alex's happiness in a way that she expresses to Jean.
0: Yeah. Kara's point of view, think Alex has no personal knowledge of like certain parts of who Kara is. And then she might be translating that to this is what Alex really thinks about those parts of my identity. Mm, yeah.
1: Which is why I'm still like a little bit sad that they didn't quite go there in season six Mm. because they revealed all these interesting cracks in season four and then kind of just smoothed right over them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But throughout the series, we also do see pretty obviously the answer to Kara's question of like, do you hate me deep down? (laughs) And Alex (laughs) being like, no, I'm proud of you. And saying like, Kara Danvers is my favorite person and saying to Allura, sometimes I think she's the one that rescued us. Alex proves throughout the series that she believes her life is better from having car in it, even though she mm. has to address the parts that are hard.
1: Yeah. And actually, it's kind of interesting. One of the biggest testaments to her believing that her life has been better for having car in it is the fact that she wanted to become an adoptive parent. Mm. Yes. Which is how she ends the series.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, to go to Alex's struggles with (laughs) sorry super lad just wrote time to cry again (laughs) (laughs) it's always time to cry especially if you're alex who (laughs) (laughs) yeah (sighs) Uh, her sort of is who i am okay with you my family fear is like i don't know what i'd do if you were disappointed me which she says to Kara in season two And we see that fear of disappointing Car, and then others. And obviously the storyline with killing Astra Mm. and feeling that she's going to no longer be Kara's hero. The coming out storyline. She was also afraid. Yeah, with both Kara and Eliza. Mm Mm-hmm. And then just generally keeping Kara safe and alive. Yeah, she has a lot of baggage around that.
1: And not all of it is created by Kara herself. There's also the untangling of the expectations that her parents put on her and and all of that. And also the responsibility that she feels within her role at the DEO once Kara becomes Supergirl and complicates that because then she's like, oh, now I have to worry about Kara extra. Extra, (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, like kind of how she says in season three, like you fight the most dangerous bad guys in the world. I'm always going to (laughs) worry Exactly. But throughout the series, then, Kara proves that it's okay for Alex to choose herself and choose her own happiness or... To make mistakes, like that, it's okay if she's
0: not perfect all the time. Yeah. Layla says, anxiety, thy name is Alex. (laughs) Alex will always have to live with that part of her makeup as a person. But having those relationships, like with Kara, proves in some way that things will be okay.
1: Yes. And then we had another comment that if they hadn't already used Guardian, we would have definitely used Alex's superhero identity as Guardian. It would have fit very well. Yes. Yes. And actually, one of the writers, Jay Farber, did a Podcast that's coming out in full, I think, in January, where he talked about how they had to talk to DC and find if there were names that they could use mm-hmm. to give one to Alex, and it actually is a DC name that isn't used very often, Sentinel.
0: Yeah, and it's also you know a similar sentiment. <laughs> yeah, so they're they're quite the pair. <laughs> yeah, and then there's Jean, and there's Jean, <laughs> the third member of this core trio, this sunlight trio. <laughs> kind of like the golden trio, but the sun. Why (laughs) did you make that Harry Potter comparison? I can't believe you right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. Wow. (laughs) For Jean, his, as we've liked to talk about recently, (laughs) fear (laughs) around his identity that comes into conflict when relating to Kara and Alex is that monstrosity. And then when Malefic sort of possesses Alex in season five, he has her say, one of Jean's deepest fears, which is, Malefic isn't the monster here, Jean. You are, mm. and he's really devastating. Such a good, By hurtful it. line. It is, <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> and it's like you get why he believes it because it's sort of hurtful in that way that Alex will say to Kara. Yeah. But it's like to John, who she would never say something like that.
0: <laughs> yes. Or it would have to be higher stakes, even though the stakes were pretty high, you know. Yeah. And we see that fear in John that he is like the monster when relating to his, you know, family members in storylines like Alex thinking that he killed her father in season one when he was called Hank. <laughs> Mm. We see it in Jean just letting Kara believe that he had killed Astra because I think some part of him is like he doesn't have to preserve his goodness in her eyes because some part of him thinks that he's not. Mm. And then we have the sort of zombie vision of Kara and Alex in season four saying that he was at fault for their deaths, and even the mind wipe having these unintended consequences with the sisters. He definitely felt yeah. that burden. <laughs>
1: yeah, which was actually a nice loop back to when Alex kept encouraging him. To to use his powers in season one. And he was very afraid to because he said bad things always happened when he did. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, for all that there are unintended consequences of a maybe bad (laughs) kind, there were unintended consequences of a good kind (laughs) as well. (laughs) Because as you see very clearly throughout the evolution of season one, Alex and Kara likely would not have ended up being as close to each other Mm -hmm. or thriving as much as they are in their individual lives or honestly, even like alive uh if it wasn't for jean uh, as kind of like a steady unifying presence as a mentor mm-hmm. as a friend and as someone and who has a father f- figure physically catch yeah. kara <laughs> when
0: she's yeah. flying toward the when ground when
1: she has kryptonite poisoning and alex <laughs> is just sitting there watching it on the screen like oh no, oh,
0: no. <laughs> uh, see he's helping kara stay alive and he's helping alex's anxiety <laughs>
1: And he's also helped Alex stay alive more than once. Um, also true. Yes. He's done a lot of saves that would make an excellent compilation, like with those uh, <laughs> those memes of like dads rescuing their toddlers from Absolutely. like wandering into traffic and other yeah. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> yes. And so throughout these three characters and in their relationships with each other, we see the message like, yes, you're okay <laughs> as a person. You do have a home here with me, and we'll find hope, we'll find light, and, and we'll make things okay together. And that, that stronger together message. And we also see those positive messages born within those core characters ripple throughout their extended friends and family unit, mm. the super friends and co. Which takes us mm. to the extended cast of characters. Yes, their friend group is such life goals, Derek. <laughs> yes. God, I love them too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And because we love them, we came up with a game of meta jeopardy for you all. Yes. Meta jeopardy. (laughs) Yes. So you'll be able to see all of the categories on the screen Mm -hmm. and we'll read them for listeners who are checking us out on the podcast itself. Mm -hmm. And then we have a three categories, a Sentinel, a Supergirl and a Martian Manhunter. (laughs) We will pick based on how you respond in the audience. If there's a particular category, whatever we see first or whatever, ever everyone votes for. <laughs> yes. Uh, these titles are fantastic. Um, and then so one of us will say meta about the character and the other of us has to figure out who it is. Yeah. All right. So the categories are classic dot dot dot. <laughs> trauma at the disco. <laughs> are you my mother? Pink kryptonite. <laughs> Sometimes we can still hear your voice and witches get
0: stitches. Which is Get Stitches. (laughs) So we'll take a minute to let you guys vote or, you know, see who says a category first. And then we'll pick. And Vivi will go first as the the meta creator. (laughs) Oh, all right. I'm seeing a lot of votes for a pink crimp tonight. You do the randomized number now. And then I guess.
1: Okay, let's see. So... Meta for this character. This character has one of my all time favorite introductions for a character in the Supergirl series. It was absolutely delightful. And told you all you needed to know about this character that she is warm, that she is caring. Nia and all that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it is Nia. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> We've talked about this before, though. I loved her introduction, but I also really loved the, the journey that she went on from being this character who, very like young, fresh out of college, Kara. Did not know what she was going to do with herself yet (laughs) and over the course of her journey in the series has really come into her own and is very confident and and has a sense of herself both as a superhero and as a person. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was great.
0: Yeah. Nia Null, right? okay. okay, next Next category, guys. Yes, she did have a lot
1: of parallels with Kara, which were really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. They had a nice one in season six, right after Kara came back from the Phantom Zone 2. Mm-hmm. They also
0: did some little variations and made mm-hmm. her unique, which is also important. We have yes. a All right. category vote. Are you my mother? Are All you right, my cycles. Mother. Okay, so this character, how to describe... This character, <laughs> this character has an interesting relationship with her family roots. They're a little bit, okay. a little bit mysteriously dark, and uh, okay,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the antithesis of Elmayara in her family roots. However, she is a character quite related to it. Uh, I think it's Sam. I think you're correct. <laughs> so, what about Sam as a mom character? Was appealing. As a mom character, this quite complicated history with her mother and then also being like genetically engineered <laughs> to mm, yeah. like like programmed like to baby. hurt people <laughs> and to be that antithesis of Elmira. But then with her daughter, we see the ways that she tries to, you know, be better and <laughs> maybe mm, yeah. unconsciously as well because she, she has this thing hanging over her head her whole life of like this little Kryptonian demon inside of her, you know, just drawing those <laughs> little etch sketch It always makes
1: me think of that TikTok, or not TikTok, the old vine with the person who's like, they have a demon and they're like, I want a bagel to eat the souls of the unborn. Like two bagels. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's Sam. She chooses two bagels. That's really, I find that powerful. Yeah,
1: that's really <laughs> her her default setting. We had a couple comments in the chat. I wish Sam and Ruby had been able to make a comeback in season six. That was probably a pandemic thing mm. because Sam did come back for the 100 episode in season five. Yeah. And then this other comment from Superlad, Jean, Kara, and Nia have a lot of parallels dealing with their alien and superhero identities, and they managed to do them in all different ways, which yeah. was really impressive. And yeah, they did. And it actually got to the point at the end, you had some nice bonding with, like, Jean and Nia, because they mm-hmm. both had these cool mind
0: powers that yeah. they could share. And it was also interesting Kara... with Kara and Jean yeah. is like, trying to both be mentors to Nia as superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> and Kara trying to be this, like, positive force for her, while well, jean is like, going through a struggle with uh... speaking of cynicism, <laughs> yes. And <laughs> Car is like, okay, can you dial it down to a seven, India? And then John's like, where is she? You know, <laughs> yeah, basically.
1: Uh. All right. Do you guys have another category? You can pick the same category again if you'd like, but mm-hmm. uh, there are some good choices. Feel free. Which is get Witches stitches? Which is get stitches? Is it my turn? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Uh... Ooh. All right. Let's see. This is a character who has reinvented the villain genre, okay through her use of fabulous charisma, swagger and, and sitting uh, skills. just general, yes, sitting <laughs> skills, and not caring what other people think of her. Uh, my beloved Nixley. <laughs>
0: Yes. She doesn't care Uh, what I think of her, but I do like her.
1: (laughs) Yes. Nixley is technically an imp, not a witch, but she does have magic and she was the premise for everyone else and the magic things in this season. So, yeah, I think she gets credit. She felt like she deserved a place. Also, Pita Sargent was fabulous in that role. Mm -hmm. It was so much fun to watch her. I did always kind of describe her as having like the swagger of Jack Sparrow. Sparrow,
0: That's uh, right. Like (laughs) a Disney villain. It was great. (laughs) You guys could pick another topic. God, I wish we had Nixley for more than the last season. I she was so good, right?
1: I yeah, that's been one of actually my frustrations with seasons four, five, and six. Some of those villains really could have stood on their own, but then they added Lex, mm-hmm. and it kind of almost distracted. Like I wish Lockwood had just been the villain of the season one. four. Trauma, trauma at the
0: disco. At the disco. Oh, Layla, you picked of that for
1: cycles. That's her
0: her <sighs> true time.
1: perfect. Passion. It's time, yeah. everyone.
0: <laughs> A roll of the die. Aha. Who is the character who (laughs) has an interesting relationship with being the man and kind of a father-esque role within the family dynamic. But in a way that was maybe not healthy for him. There are hints that he... Felt like he had to become the man of the house in a way. Oh, you were trying to trick me. (laughs) I was. I think you're talking about James, but go on. I am talking about James. I just find it interesting, his attachment to his father. I think it sort of was pulled into the way that he thought of Clark and his kind of goals for himself and trying to live up to be this really like heroic, idealized man. And in ways that make James a great man, but also he struggled throughout the series to find his place like for himself and like the things that he is comfortable about. Yes. We have a lot of
1: untapped James feelings that we haven't gotten to share because he hasn't been on the show in a while. So, yes. Ooh, that's an interesting thought. James also has a complex from his scrawny, nerdy Jimmy days.
0: I mean, think Which of is, like him yeah. as being like bullied and and like trapped in that traumatic experience and then also his father just died and mm-hmm. thinking he's supposed to be stronger. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right, we can do two or three more. So, we've a couple categories we haven't done yet or you can revisit a category you've already chosen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes we can still hear your voice. Okay, it's my turn. It's your uh... turn. <gasps> okay. This is actually the perfect category for this character, who I have loved ever since they brought him in. He was a breath of fresh air in some ways, and he pushed some of the characters who were uncomfortable with emotions to really think a little harder about themselves, specifically Jean. And his end in the series was very sad, and he is gone, but not forgotten. Gone, but not forgotten. I'm going to go with Marin. Yes, Space Grandpa.
0: Space Grandpa, um, beloved. Yes,
1: <laughs> um, had to put him on there just because he did have such an impact on John, but also on Alex and Kara in different ways. <laughs> and it
0: says McGon there instead of. <laughs> oh no! How I did, how did that? Happen? I did this too late in the day. <laughs> Is what happened. <laughs> I see. All right, McGon, but not forgotten. Well done, audience. Good one. Oh, that's good. That's good.
1: That actually would have been a fun Magan, title
0: for that category. McGon was a little bit forgotten
1: and gone. McGon. Yeah, we thought about putting her in this list, but we also wanted to cover some characters we haven't gotten to see mm-hmm. in this, the final season. So. Mm-hmm. He. That's true. Carl Lumley did voice Magan's dad in Young Justice. <laughs> He's another legacy actor who's participated in the legacy of like Martian Manhunter stories in the yeah. past.
0: And it was lovely to have which him come healthy. in in terms of the fatherhood.
1: Yes. Oh, there's votes for the classic. Classic. Oh. Which Cycles came up with that, the classic Alex <laughs>
0: thing. <laughs> yes, my, my favorite phrase. Your one claim to fame. <laughs> yeah. that, that's the one. All right. Okay. It's your turn. This character has very strong opinions. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Could be anyone, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and they have a tendency to, hence the classic, purport certain values and then kind of go go back on them, huh. or or sort of under embody them. Okay, and they also have an affinity for, as we've seen multiple times in the show, pods and putting children <laughs> into pods. Oh no,
1: no, Alora, it's Alora. No, I can't believe you've done this <laughs> She just you know, I do she likes it. yeah I am sad that they were never able to bring her back and do a little bit more with the Kara realizing her mom was alive mm-hmm. piece just because I've always wanted the interaction between the whole Danvers family and Alora. like we had some nice little bits with Alex I would have really liked to see Eliza and Alora just for Kara to have that moment mm-hmm. of of realization about being a character who is bicultural and has two families and, and yeah has had to really reconcile with both
0: like it's a whole family you know
1: yeah and they're all in one place and not frying each other's heads off
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, that too and it's not awkward and
1: uncomfortable <laughs> like jeremiah and jean talking to each other oh. yeah
0: yeah I thought cycle said pots instead of pods. She has an affinity for <laughs> pots. Well, that's you know she did okay. keep that plant of Kara. That's true. <laughs> she sort of put putting kids pot into plant. pots, you know, and the plant was supposed to be as tall as Kara. It's kind of it works. That
1: works too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So if you'd like, we can do one more so you can see kind of who some of our other choices were, or we can take audience questions at this point.
0: Do, 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 do. It's actually
1: fitting to do that song. <laughs> we're singing. This is the singing time. <laughs> Allure became a plant mom. We have another vote for Pink Kryptonite. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Your turn. All right. It's my turn. Okay. <sighs> yes. All right. <laughs> Ooh. This is a character who has suffered some serious trauma in the series. Mm-hmm. Could be anyone. She's been. She's been through some hard times, but was a really nice addition to the, the female cast. Had some really nice representation. It was unfortunately very brief and a shame that we did not get to see her more but she was also a really nice counterweight to some of the other queer voices in the story especially back in Yvette. seasons 4 and 5 yes the event Nia's roommate lovely it was a shame we didn't get to see her one more time i know that would have been nice yeah i that i feel like was probably also like a pandemic yeah, related definitely. yeah
0: <laughs> all right i am woefully unprepared for asking questions it's okay
1: Well, that is a shame, because this is your moment to truly embrace your inner journalist like Cara Danvers and ask us your difficult questions. Oh, difficult questions. Put us in the hot seat. Yes. I wasn't I <laughs> didn't know like, that oh, we were no. doing that. <laughs> not advanced
0: mode <laughs> not advanced mode
1: <laughs> <gasps> alright we have a question okay it's incoming <laughs> playlists I dropped out of journalism school <laughs> uh, we do have a question the question is rank your favorite season so like all of the seasons in order of like most to least favorite I'm assuming I would do that I think. yeah okay alright do you want to go first
0: sure favorite season three next mm-hmm. is season one season four mm-hmm. Season six, because I had a good start. Huh? Season, uh, it's hard between season five and two. I think season five, season five, and then season two is the least favorite. Okay. Mine would be one,
1: three, four, two, six, five.
0: Okay. That tracks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Favorite journalism story of Kara's? Oh. oh.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: About anything? Because I know I had been asking people specifically about her alien-related stories the other day for special reasons
0: Um. (laughs) (laughs) apart from your special reasons
1: (laughs) let's see favorite journalism story of Kara's probably her slaver's moon story Um, because Mm -hmm. I actually just went back and watched that clip recently and it's the first time she really pushes back and expresses her values as a journalist and says you know I am going to follow my heart wherever it leads me even if it leads me down stories that might end up being a waste of time because Mm -hmm. I care about people and that's what I want to do. And, you know, Snapper's like, well, he's speaking of cynicism. You know, he puts (laughs) up this front and then when she walks away, he grins and he's proud of her.
0: Yes. And uh,
1: he says it quietly, which I hope she secretly heard. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. the one that comes to mind is also in season two and involved Snapper, but the Ace Reporter episode. But specifically Mm -hmm. the I mean, I enjoyed the like Lena Jack sleuthing stuff. (gasps) Oh, Jack. Jack, (laughs) but specifically the part that was Kara and the source that came to her and ended up getting hurt. And yeah. also the visual of her on fire and she she survived because she's supergirl. Yeah. I just found that to be a really interesting beat. There are other journalism mm. storylines that I enjoyed also. But now that you mention that visual, I actually really like that in contrast to when we
1: got the in season three, the flashbacks of her seeing Krypton explode and then her there surviving a thing where she's literally like right. her clothes are on fire. She sees
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She and Jean can she and John have got Bond some is parallel the, issues. that yeah, they should. The, they should the, talk about the fire about. of it. Yeah.
1: Ooh, hair cycles is a good question for you. Speaking <laughs> of trauma, what scene, without question, will always make you cry?
0: I. I mean, any scene if I try hard enough. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Without question. The one that has affected me the most is She Lied to Me Ooh, season one. Yeah. Was she right? Yelling at the hologram of Alora, mm-hmm. Just she was so, she seemed so young, you know, in a way that was very accessing yeah. <laughs> deep like childhood trauma and like pushed away until now. And Melissa's performance was obviously very good. Yeah. Well, and that's
1: interesting too, because Melissa in interviews that she's been giving now a couple months after the series ended has said that she feels like both she and Cara went on a journey of like becoming a real adult.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. She, she's like, I, I did kind of feel like a girl back then. Yeah. I
1: don't usually cry when I watch TV, but I will say the first time that I watched the couch scene of Eliza with Alex from Livewire, cried my eyes out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Partly because I hadn't seen my kiddo in a long time. And I was just sitting there like, ah, why did everyone <laughs> tell me to watch this? Sobbing at Sobbing. two in the morning. It was bad. <laughs> oh, oh, delightful. Um, who? Pick a favorite, Tegan asks. Cara or Alex?
0: I bet our answers will be really big surprises. You like to pretend that yours is a mystery. <laughs> I do, and I'm gonna surprise you now. Okay. Well, <laughs> if things have changed recently, that's different. <laughs> all
1: right. So, all right. Let's let's go. Your answer is obviously Cara. It's Cara. No vote, it's Cara. <laughs> <laughs> well, now she's embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, Everyone knows
1: Everyone knows So my answer as I've explained to you Is like they're both my favorite But whoever I feel like needs more of my emotional energy Is my like immediate favorite And after the end of season six Like Kara's winning is winning
0: Yeah but like you also just told me And I know I'm revealing (laughs) secrets That Alex is probably your actual favorite But you're upset with her (laughs) So (laughs) Alex has been demoted a few levels (laughs) <laughs> we'll try to we're trying to win her uh, back.
1: Kara I- needs more of my love right now. Alex is a hurt her, so Kara
0: <laughs> needs more attention. <laughs> needs more attention. So I'm here for her. Maybe you'll swing back around one day.
1: <laughs> all right. Any other questions? Cycles, do you have any fun
0: questions you want to throw at me? Throw at you. All right. Let's come up with some. Sure. Tell no. me about your life. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, me, Jean, like, no, that's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. And not you as Alex because you're mad with her right now.
1: <laughs> Ooh, all right. Here's a question. We just got one more from Superlad. You get to set Kara up on a blind date. It does not have to be a character from the show, or you could make up someone with various qualities that would make a good partner for her. Mm. Intriguing. I have an Matchmaker. immediate answer. You have an Im- you go first. I do. My immediate answer is Steve Rogers, Captain America. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's sweet. That's
0: a sweet duo. Yes. They would be very sweet. What I like in relationships tends to be characters, like in terms of fiction. Mm. I don't demand this of the people in my life. (laughs) Characters, (laughs) yeah, she does. That's a lie. (laughs)
1: Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> We're going to reveal secrets today.
0: <laughs> oh, you've gotten some approval for your choice. <laughs> They'd be so perfect. I see that. <laughs> yes, they would be. Sorry for almost waking up your cat by making you laugh. I like to. I like characters who compliment and challenge each other in interesting ways. Mm, yeah. One of the ways that I've wanted to see Kara challenged in the series is to rely on her intellectual skills, her logic, her analytical capabilities. Because She doesn't usually mm-hmm. have to, not just because of her powers and her strength, but she is very empathetic as a person and relies on like, you know, those are her skills, like the biggest ones. I would like to see a character who challenges her intellectually, but then someone who also shares her values, but in like slightly different ways. That's always interesting interesting Mm. it's like slightly off so they have a bit of a friction and then can find out about themselves gotcha so do any of the characters who they had
1: originally intended as potential love interest for Kara fit that bill
0: i don't know about originally intended brainy as a character could have Mm. william in terms of journalistic values there was room to explore like differences there yeah Andrea was a late sleeper option. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) This is also true.
1: They were just fun to watch. Okay, now I'm picturing them actually accidentally getting set up on a blind date, and that (laughs) could be hilarious. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Andrea does some whole elaborate thing because she's trying to, like, meet Supergirl. (laughs) Yeah. that's the premise.
0: She's like, "Kara, what are you doing here?" <laughs> I was also here to talk to Supergirl. <laughs> such, a, such a big fan of Supergirl. Well, Andrea is also interesting because she she had a bit of an unexplored like morality thing. Sort of the thing with William dying was maybe one of the least interesting ways to go about it. Versus remember when she watched Orlando give the speech and like you could see like a twinge of caring about another person in her face. Mm, More of that would be interesting. And Kara was an interesting character to maybe explore some of that.
1: Yeah. And in the chat, we had a point about, you know, since season one, Kara has established that she'd like a romantic partner, but it never really went very far in the show. I mean, arguably, they sort of went there with Monel and then she lost him and then that did some psychological damage.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But it was also (laughs) the plan the whole time time really
1: (laughs) yeah but they had planned that out from the beginning and then the point being like this is also a a thing that's true in the comics like she's a little bit of a serial dater but she's never had like a one great love like you know clark has lois or Mm -hmm. barry has iris in the flash the show and yeah so we actually were wondering if some of the shifting of her storylines was actually a dc thing more so than a the show thing
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, well, and then also part of it being like a bit of a surprise that it was going to be the final season. That's true, yeah, and how to handle her character's end, you know, yeah. and I think I think
1: the end that they ultimately landed on of her getting to feel in control of, yeah, who she is and how she manages that was the right place. And Which I don't is think they got they, there well. If they'd made slightly different choices, they probably could have developed the romance storyline a little bit more. But they had they had so many things, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> so many plot things and so many characters that there was a lot to try to wrap up in not a lot of time
0: (laughs) yes all right oh one last quick question yes Uh, tegan also said right now in the comics she's like adopting a child (laughs) not much romance at the time yeah i mean
1: i'm not i'm not mad about it well i mean media generally has actually started moving away from those like one true love romance narratives and more Mm -hmm. towards family-based stuff in the last 10 or 15 years if we could change here's the question If we could change one thing about the
0: final season, what would we have done? Kara's character. Highlight her core values in terms of legacy. That would be just the one thing. And it would permeate throughout the rest of the storytelling decisions. Kara, hope, help, and compassion. The ways that that is so Kara. And then the ways that that affects everything around her. And then also gives her the space to land in that same place that she did at the end of the series.
1: Yeah. Mine's along the same lines, which is to really emphasize the stronger together piece of it, but also the relationship that Kara has with the public and her family and vice versa and how she inspires them but also how they inspire her and that there is like a dual piece of that mm-hmm. and it's a give and take and that they need each other like it's not just a, mm. a one way relationship in yeah. one direction or the other where then at the end Cara is like oh I can't help people because <laughs> yeah then they'll want me to help them and that is bad I
0: guess well they it, we had a little bit of a thought exercise when probably this season was like the most interesting was right When the gauntlet episode aired. Yeah. When episode 13. Yeah. Like it was a mystery what her gauntlet was, what the test of courage would be. And when the totems were just getting started. And I had thought maybe having the characters help Kara discover things about herself that are thematically relevant to Mm. the totems. In order to pass them, she has to talk to you know, Alex about humanity, something like that.
1: Yeah, well, and I had even been expecting up to close to the finale that the solution with all of the totems was like each of them was going to have to unlock one, like because if any one person unified them, like then they'd have the all stone and that would be bad. Mm-hmm. So I had been expecting that it would be like divvied up more. That would have been uh, cute. <laughs> and also, it would be a way to revisit and confirm like growth for different characters who hadn't necessarily interacted with them mm. they also set up all the rules for the gauntlets and like the totems in episode 13 and then by the end they didn't follow those rules so
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> you two liked the final beat for the character just thought the journey there wasn't quite yeah. right yeah that's, that's a that's, that's a fair way to- it's <laughs> about where we expected it to land
1: yeah i mean we had started talking about like oh this is where her character's going probably in about episode five of the season
0: when we figured out the gauntlet it was pretty clear that at the end she would be revealing that you know she would just be Kara. yeah which is where the series has been leading the whole time yeah how they wanted to get there depended they could have done it more just like emotionally she didn't have to literally be out yeah but i thought that was a compelling idea as well yeah and I, we
1: had talked about this i think in early podcast episodes of season six that they had been hinting at it by showing Kara in different circumstances introducing herself mm. as yeah yeah all of herself to Nixley to Nia when they were in the flashback and it was definitely leading towards that.
0: Yeah, she sort of gave her little narration. Yeah. That would have been that would have also been a nice beat to have
1: at the end. Like that actually would have been a really cool way to close out the finale.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. With an updated An updated. That's yeah, and they have story. updated it throughout like, the series. Yeah. <laughs> like Alex <laughs> is the only one working at the D O now, so I don't I work with my friends. <laughs> I work the end. Yeah. I work. <laughs> like, I work. That was car of the season, dealing with capitalism and <laughs>
1: <yeah>. <laughs> burnout. So on that note, thank you all for coming and for participating. We had a lot of fun with you guys and for those of you who are in other time zones where you got up either really early or you stayed up really late many many thanks yes uh, you are our
0: super friends you are our super girls <laughs> uh, <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So we will probably release one more episode in the month of December. Mm -hmm. We are still working out the production schedule for that one. We are also still deciding which episode it's going to be. We have a list of topics that we want to get to that we didn't get to in the previous hiatus. We are definitely planning to go through around episode 100 of the podcast. We may do a few more beyond that. Mm -hmm. We will see. We're definitely planning to do character profiles for Kara and Alex now that the series is over. We're going to finish our Truth, Justice, and the American Way Mm -hmm. series that we had been doing, which season six added a lot for justice. So that will be fun. Uh (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then we have a few other things on the list. We also have a couple little surprises that we will be releasing for you as things go. We have a quick interview that we were able to do with someone from the production. Mm Mm-hmm. And a few other little things. So then for our podcast listeners, as usual, if you have any comments or questions for us or requests for topics you'd like us to revisit now that the series is over or just, you know, another silly meta or an episode commentary track, please send them to us at Supergirls Attic on Twitter,
0: Tumblr or Instagram. Mm -hmm. Thanks again for tuning into our live show. Thanks for watching and thanks for listening.